Today's episode of the Mets Up Podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. First off, that's huge. And that's what we use here on the Mets Up Podcast. I highly suggest it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other streaming services. And you're allowed to make money from your podcast from day one with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So make sure you guys download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What is up, Mets fans? Back here for episode number 78 of the Mets Up Podcast. Of course, I'm your co-host, Draftneck Mark, here with James Schiano. Jeter had no range talking about all the New York Mets news, all the moves, all the big trades we made, because yes, the Mets have made some moves. When you last heard us, we were talking about guys that we'd like to see on the team. Of course, Carlos Rodon ended up signing with the San Francisco Giants, but we filled in that number three starter spot with Chris Bassett of the Oakland A's in a trade that was made yesterday or a few days ago, depending on when you're listening to this. And we also brought in Adam Adovino to help with the bullpen, which is someone that both me and James said we would really like to bring in as a depth bullpen arm. So we're going to go over all things Mets news, all things Mets rumors, relations, trades, everything that was going on there. Steve Cohen had some comments too, and Billy Epler and Buck Walter. We'll cover that all in today's episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Of course, if you guys want to follow us, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, at Mets Up, you'll be able to find us there. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find it, drop us a five-star rating, drop us a review, subscribe, download, do it all, and let's bring in James. James, how you feeling, man? Good, man. Really good. Still sick. You guys heard me on Friday with my uh, illness. Turns out to be strep throat, so I've been kind of stuck at home all weekend just watching college basketball but it's been fun good weekend to get sick not as good as next weekend but not a bad one no not a bad one and you know the Mets have definitely probably helped you out a little bit too with some good news sprinkled in here or there with Bass and Ottavino joining the team yeah just really fun to just be refreshing Twitter constantly like 15 times an hour over and over again waiting to see the scoops and the moves really good moves by the Mets I mean just jump right in with Chris Bassett this is exactly what the doctor ordered like I can't even think about a guy in Major League Baseball who is more what this team needs than Chris Bassett yeah, he's a guy who's going to go out there every five days, and he's. it's kind of been like the the lazy comparison, but it also has a lot of like truth behind it. He's he's the next Marcus Stroman for us in this rotation. He takes in that exact role. He's going to be a very, very similar pitcher. He's going to have similar outcomes, and he's going to be really effective behind the aces of DeGrom and Scherzer. I don't even think that's a lazy comparison. Like These guys are almost exactly the same. Not, it's a little bit in the way they pitch because they're both a little sinker heavy with mixing in some cutters and... Uh, change up slider situation there but like even their stats over the last three seasons I know that Stroman missed all of 2020 and Bassett's had a few minor-ish injuries but they've started almost the exact same number of games pitched almost the exact same number of innings their strikeout rate is within two points of one another the ERA is less than 0.15 away from each other the walk rate is really similar like these guys are really similar the Mets clearly had the type and knew they had to go out and get another reliable pitcher in their 30s Yeah, I feel like for a lot of Mets fans, you might not be too hip to what Chris Bassett does, but he is a really, really good pitcher. And one thing that he does extremely well is limit hard contact. He's a beast at getting dudes to just hit the ball real soft on the ground, in the air, whatever it is. He's not going to get the swings and misses like you see with DeGrom and Scherzer. He's not going to have the K numbers, but he's going to have quick games. He's going to be efficient. He's going to get the job done. He's going to be really, I mean, like you said, he's a really, really nice piece to add here to be our number three, a great bridge between the first two guys and the last two. Yeah, a nice bridge. 
also, just to push back, he does get some Ks, does get some whiffs. I'll break him down a little bit more later, but he is a great bridge. He just is exactly what we needed. We've talked about oatmeal a lot on this show. This mess rotation needs some oatmeal. We needed somebody who you could just not even think about every fifth day. He'll take the ball, and he will just be fine. Like You won't even have to be concerned yourself, hopefully, with Chris Bassett, as long as he has no more freak injuries, because he has had a few of those, which is weird. Yeah, he got, what, hit in the face with a line drive, right? That kept him out for a bit? That was last year in August. He got hit in the face with a line drive. He broke his orbital, which is definitely a very uh, scary injury. It's something that you'll see more in, like, the motocross circuit than a uh, professional baseball player. But even with the facial fracture, he came back last September after only six weeks on the shelf with surgery, facial, facial surgery. That's a tough phrase. Facial surgery. And he made two th- pitch. He had two three inning outings for an ace team that was basically out of it. The guy's a warrior. He loves playing baseball. Happy to have him on the clubhouse. And like you said, the stats like they don't lie. He's been really good. So I'm sure you could fill us in a little bit on some of the stuff when you dig deeper. But Mets fans, again, just because you might not know the name off the rip, he's good. Trust us. Yeah, and again, because you said not a big strikeout guy, but he has been kind of climbing up those strikeout boards for the last few years. He burst on the scene late. I feel like we didn't even hear about Chris Bassett until 2019. He's already 33 years old, which shocked a lot of Mets fans on Twitter because I threw out a tweet about all the Mets pitchers and their ages. And it's like, all right, we got it. This is what we do here. But if you look at some research in terms of like the aging curve for starting pitchers, like they're your peak performance years would be between like 29 and 35. So the Mets has a clear win now team are trying to acquire guys and assemble a staff of players pitching at the top caliber of their entire careers. I know Scherzer doesn't really necessarily fit into that, but he might. He's not much worse than he was when he was winning Cy Young's, what, three, four years ago? Yeah. Like, with a lot of guys at the top. But Bassett specifically, he uh, he's not really going to give you any flashy stuff on the mound. He basically just mixes three fastballs between his four-seamer, his sinker, and his cutter. And then he has a changeup and a slider he's mixed in. He used to throw a curveball, but he's mostly thrown that away. And the Mets aren't really a very big curveball staff, so I can't see that coming back. But he's just going to like use every part of the strike zone. Like He has a sinker that he throws here. He has changeup he throws here. His slider he throws here. And those pitchers all go in their spots. And again, just make sure that the hitter stays off balance, is not able to barrel him up. And I think him coming to City Field, too, while he was in Oakland, and that's yeah. definitely definitely a pitcher-friendly park, Like I don't think there's going to be much of a like decrease in how much the park actually helps or hurts him just because we know City Field, balls go to die there. I mean, you are right about that. The city field over the last five years on Fangraphs is the easiest park to pitch in. It's the Oakland A's, the Oakland Coliseum is the seventh easiest. So not a significant difference, but I guess maybe a minor help. And the big help will be the defense behind Chris Bassett because the Mets have a very good defensive shortstop. They have a very good defensive outfield, a good defensive outfield, maybe not a very good defensive outfield. but And we like to think they have a pretty good defensive second baseman as long as things hold through the rest of this week. So Chris Bass is going to definitely get some plus, and he's going to have a better pitching infrastructure here in New York because simply we just have spent more money on our internal pitching development than the Oakland A's have. Yeah, and I think you probably gain a little something by being around guys like, I don't know, Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. I'm sure you could pick up a thing or two that might improve your game as well. Yeah, no doubt. And the big thing about Bassett is he is a tinkerer. Like, he's been messing around with his repertoire for the last few years, and that's why I mentioned before he has increased his strikeouts. His strikeout rate has just ticked up a little bit, a little bit every year. And last year, he was in the 60th percentile of all pitchers. So this guy who is above average in terms of all Major League Baseball and striking guys out. And the big adjustment for Bass is throwing a new slider much more. He didn't even have the pitch back in 2018, threw it a few times. And by last year, he was throwing it 10% of the time. That's the pitch I'd be telling Mets fans to watch out for, that Chris Bassett could be throwing somewhere between 15 20% this year and possibly miss a lot more bats. It's added a significant amount of horizontal break over the last two seasons, now becoming a pitch that has significantly more horizontal break than average. It sits in the mid to low 80s. 
It's a very good looking pitch. It also has less drops, so it's become more of like a straight slider, which is a pitch that usually sliders that are straight like that, as long as they don't have like a ton of movement in both directions. It's hard to explain right now, quickly on the podcast, but you kind of want your slider to be a little flatter with a little more breaks. Usually going to miss more bats just moving on that one single plane. And he also has thrown his change up a little bit more over the last two seasons. That pitch also moves a lot, almost as much horizontally as a slider, just to show how much that pitch does move. And I'm certain that Jeremy Hefner is going to be able to tinker with him and make the tiny little adjustments, sprinkle his magical fairy dust, and turn Chris Bassett into the best version of himself that he can be. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do in this team. Like, I was really, really happy when I got news yesterday that Chris Bassett was going to be a New York Met because we've been dying for this number three. We needed it so badly. As weird as it sounds, as good as this rotation is, it wasn't really anything until we got that number three spot. And while it's not Carlos Rodon, who I think would have still always been our number one pick right now, Chris Bassett's a really, really good consolation prize, I would say, to not getting a guy like Carlos Rodon. Like, Bassett's going to be someone you Met fans definitely learn to love. Definitely. And the biggest difference between acquiring Bassett and acquiring Rodon was what you had to give up to get them. Rodon would have cost a little bit more money, which we don't care about because it's not our money, one. And two, Steve Cohen is $14 billion. But two, the Mets did have to part with JT Ginn, who's kind of like a borderline top 100 prospect, the Mets' best and most ready pitching prospect, which is weird to say because Ginn was coming off Tommy John last season and still hasn't even pitched above Brooklyn. Did he get to Binghamton last year? No, he stuck at Brooklyn. Uh, no, I don't think he got to Double A last year. I think he started off in Port St. Lucie and finished in Brooklyn. Pretty sure. Yeah, you're right. So he did finish the year in Brooklyn. So JT Ginn was a guy who I'm sure could have been a part of the Mets' ideas late next season if things went really well this year and next year. But at the end of the day, you're getting Chris Bassett, the guy who's going to be a plus pitcher in rotation right now. You're looking to give you 150 to 180 innings. Like, that was an absolute no-brainer for them. And I'm very happy that they pulled the trigger. And Adam Aller, we should mention, the Mets minor league pitcher of the year. He's fine. He would have been good organizational depth for them this year. I'm sure he's going to get plenty of innings with the Oakland A's this season. He's already 27, so you might as well throw him in there. But at the end of the day, you're trading two guys who probably neither had ace potential for a guy who could be your number three today, and that's what's important. This makes the Mets instantly better, instantly better, where those guys don't really add much value to the Mets squad for 2022 or even 2023. There's just not a whole lot that's going there, so I was happy to give them up. Like I, I honestly was worried about what was going to be in this trade because this kind of it's kind of really the first trade the Mets have made oh, with yeah. Billy Epler in this in this contingency. So it's kind of interesting to see where they would go. And I, I was pretty pleased with what we got back for what we gave. I think that was a really good move for the Mets without a doubt. I agree with you. But two questions I want to ask following up with this trade. One, how did you feel when you saw the Sonny Gray news today? So when I saw the Sonny Gray news, I thought that's not as much as he was going to cost. We should also say what was the Sonny Gray news. Sonny Gray was traded from the Reds to the Twins for 19-year-old Chase Petty. Who, who is a first-round pick. Yes. First-round pick, and he throws 101 miles an hour. Yes. And he has a pretty nasty slider as well. So he's the real deal. He's a guy who's quickly rising up boards, but when you're always dealing with a 19-year-old pitcher, he's actually still 18. He's still an 18-year-old pitcher. He'll be 19 in a couple of weeks. But when you're dealing with a guy that young, there's always a lot that can go wrong. And he hasn't pitched above the complex league. He'll start the season in low A, where last year Ginn started. Now he's in going to start this year in double A. So you're getting a guy who's a rung ahead with college pitching under his belt. It'd be it's interesting. I thought I cuz I don't know where you compare Sonny Gray and Chris Bassett personally. I think Sonny Gray is a better pitcher than Chris Bassett. I okay. think I would take Sonny Gray over Chris Bassett. I think I like his stuff a little bit more, but it's not like Chris Bassett's bad. That's what's like being said. It's like Sonny Gray is like a borderline like top like 30 40 pitcher in Major League Baseball. Chris Bassett's I think probably close to that 40 50 range. Um so to me 
I think they're relatively similar, but I was surprised at how little the Twins had to give up. I, th- I think Chase Petty's a lot, by the way, but I'm surprised that that was the only piece that went to the Twins or to the Reds, especially when like when we were talking with trades. I know it was for Castillo, but it's like Mauricio and a bunch else. Yeah. So it felt like they kind of got off easy in, in a way. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of people kind of clowned on the Mets for that, even though I think that you kind of have to look at those two trades and those two teams in more of the context of what got traded for what. And we had this conversation before because the A's want a very simple and surefire investment. The A's know that JT Ginn will probably get near the major leagues next year, like I said before, and he will be a reliable two, three, four type of starter, similar to a guy like Chris Bassett, who they just traded. And that will have a new one for free for the next five or six years. He throws a slider, a slider he throws a sinker, he throws a fastball, he, throw, he throws a good velocity, he pitched in college, that's good. The team like the Reds, they love these multiple crazy pieces of clay that you can turn into these monster, incredible pieces, and just they're willing to take on that kind of risk in that situation, I guess. They're much more in on the development, and you can develop Chase Petty into whatever you want him to be. Of course, and the Reds don't really have an issue with waiting three full years for a starter because they have a nice crop of young starters coming up right now, and they also have no intention to win now or in the future, so they don't really care. They just want to see if they can create a superstar. I was going to say, apparently the Reds also had Chase Petty circled on yeah. the draft last year, and they wanted him badly, but he just wasn't there. And that makes sense, because their pitching development does very well with guys who are freaks. They've, they're t- This year, people are going to see Hunter Green pitch and be like, what the fuck is going on there? It's 105 miles an hour. But that's just I just saw people clowning on the Mets for apparently giving up more for um, for Chris Bassett and then the, then the Twins did for... Uh, Sonny Gray, people are like, oh, LOL Mets, is Mets happening again? But I think Chris Bass is very good, and he more so fits what the Mets want to do, and JT Ginn is just much more of an A's prospect than a Reds one. Yeah, oh, 100%. Like, I I sent you the tweet from Kylie McDaniel talking about the value of those two and that he felt and people around the league felt like they were similar. I definitely disagree, but then again, who am I to really say anything? But um, like you said, for what the A's want, he fits. Those yeah. guys fit. Adam Oller is going to pitch 120 innings for the A's probably this year. He's going to probably be on their opening day roster, if not within the next month. So he'll be fine at their back end. He's going to end up being fine. JT Ginn in a couple years. It was a trade that was beneficial for both. It just, I do feel bad for honestly both A's and Reds fans because they have teams that are close enough where if you got a few pieces, they can really compete to be in the playoffs, especially with the expanded playoffs. And instead, they're deciding to trade away pieces of their players, which sucks. (laughs) Yeah, literally. And the thing about those two guys probably equaling the same amount, like they don't get there in the same ways between Chase Petty and JT Ginn. Like in the most simplest terms, like pretend each of them is a six. We're grading them as like a six prospect, number six. Ginn is four in readiness and two in potential, and Petty is a two in readiness and four in potential. They're both sixes. You just get to that six in a different way. And that's just, again, organizational philosophy. And I do think the Mets got a winner because Sonny Gray has been throwing significantly slower each of the last few seasons. His stuff is still very good. The shapes of pitches are still great. But I think Bassett is a guy who's still as crazy as it sounds for a 33-year-old. Is kind of ascending and has some room to grow in terms of his repertoire and his stuff and his command and pitching in City Field. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I love the move of Chris Bassett. I am not feeling any like buyer's remorse because we saw what Sonny Gray is. I'm, I'm very content, very happy with Chris Bassett. He's going to be great. And it looks like Mets fans are happy too because on my video on my channel, it was one of 10. It was one of the best videos of the last 10 that I've uploaded. So thank God baseball's back. Thank God we got a Mets move. And it seems like Mets fans are happy. Me and James, I think, definitely on that happy side as well. Absolutely. And then the Mets made another move today, signing native New Yorker, Paisan, Adam Otavino, to a one-year deal worth $4 million with uh, uh, performance estimators, performance, uh, performance, what's it called? Boosters. 
performance boosters, whatever incentives, haha, incentives, incentives for an extra million dollars. I think that is an absolute great signing for them. He takes over the Jerry's familiar role essentially, where he comes in in certain scenarios. He's he's like what our fourth or th- fourth option, right? Because you have Diaz, May, and Castro seemingly are going to be the, the first three, right? Out of Lugo. The Oh yeah, fuck! I forgot about Lugo. Holy shit, this Mets bullpen's way better. No, it's awesome. Yeah, this is I, a, this is such a big pickup. This is it, so big. No, he is literally taking over for years, Familia, where he's a guy who has incredible stuff but bad command. He's going to come in and sometimes going to look amazing, sometimes going to look really bad. Adam Ottavino's really fun thing and cool thing that he does every year is he will pitch lights out for like fifty of his sixty innings. There will be like one inning where he doesn't get a single out and gives up eight runs. And then there'll be, like, some runs just sporadically in between there. But he'll give you, like, 40 innings where he's untouchable. Like, you won't be able to hit him. And that's very similar with Familia did. And he's going to cost less money next year than Familia cost last year. So there's a net victory for the New York Mets. I had Olivino as the seventh best reliever on the board as we exited the lockout. He turned out to be the sixth best reliever after my king, Adam Connolly, retired out of nowhere on Friday afternoon, which shook me up. That was really sad. And then the only righty I had still available... Because Joe Kelly signed with the White Sox, which was a great move. Um, and uh, Kenley Jansen hadn't signed yet. Deekman signed. And Tony Watson's still unsigned. And Tapera. But So comparing him basically, I guess, with Tapera, that's a comparison Mets fans have been using a lot. Because Tapera like, seemed like the best reliever on the board. Tapera's going to cost you multiple years and probably like 7 or $8 million per. Like You might as well get the one year of Adovino and then figure this out again next offseason. Like, I'm really happy the Mets were able to get a reliever with elite stuff, specifically one elite pitch and not have to make any kind of actual financial commitment to them. He's also another dude who's going to benefit massively. One, from leaving the AL East, and two, he's pitched for the Red Sox and the Yankees the last two years. Band boxes. Band boxes. He's going to benefit massively from getting out of there. I think he had, like, he would go up against the Blue Jays, pitch in Toronto or pitch in whatever the AAA park was, get, like, six runs in one outing. Like, that just shouldn't happen in the, in the National League East. Yeah, and two of the last three years, 2019 and 2021, every year Alavino's pitched in besides the shortened year, he's had a fly ball rate above 28%, which is significantly above league average. So he's a guy who's going to be very happy to get those fly balls caught in city field. And again, just he has a great slider. As a reliever, having one good pitch will get you basically as far as Adam Montevino has gotten already in his career. Like just basically, he's like, has some of the most horizontal movement in the league. Still has an incredibly high whiff rate. Like This is a good move for the Mets. Don't expect 2014 Adam Montevino to walk through the door, but there's a guy who's just going to throw a lot of one pitch and get a lot of guys to swing through it, which is... Fantastic. Serviceable. Very, very serviceable reliever. Like, I, I, I feel comfortable with him at times, for sure. Like, he's not going to be, oh, no, Jacob Barnes is on the mound again, you know? No, this is familiar. And this and Bassett is Stroman. They have to con- contextualize these p- these new pitchers in your brain as the two pitchers who were on the team last year, and you will you will be okay. Also, just a little Jerry's Familia tidbit here. Signed with the Phillies. How funny is that, that he's gonna he's a ground ball pitcher and they just have by far the worst defense in all of baseball? Well, it's better than being a fly ball pitcher in that ball, in that Little League stadium. I, I guess, yeah. you gotta. They're still going to field like 90% of the balls, I guess, that are put in play. <laughs> the Phillies definitely have something up their sleeve. They have to sign one of these infielders. They'd be really idiots not to. Yeah, you can't play Didi Gregorius for any amount of games next year. Yeah, I don't even think, he's technically free agent now, correct? No, I think they have him for one more year. I don't know about that. I'm pretty confident. Pretty sure he signed a two-year, like, $18 million deal. Oh, yeah, he is still in the Phillies. I also have a funny D.D. Gregorius anecdote from, uh, from when the lockout was ending. They signed the deal that will also include putting advertisements on players' jerseys, hats, helmets, this and that. 
and Maury Brown, who we shouted out a few times. He writes for Forbes and a baseball prospectus, baseball baseball business reporter. He said, does this picture bother anybody? And it was a picture of like Didi and I think Glaber, somebody else on the Yankees, like dancing and celebrating a home run. It looked like from years ago. And all the Yankee idiots got in the replies were like, oh, yeah, it's bothers us. Didi was a great player. Yankees should have never let him go. Ruin the glory days. But really... He just put that picture up there and photoshopped tiny little ads on the corners of sleeves on the back of a hat, and no, no, none of the people actually replying know this what he was talking about. That's pretty funny. That's pretty uh, funny. And then I want to mention another reliever that I didn't even know was on the Mets. I found out today from Anthony Decomo. Did you know about this? What? A- Alex Claudio is a New York Met. Was he a Met last? Didn't they have him in like a minor league deal last year or something weird? I don't, th- I don't think so. But he, uh, I think he got a non-roster invite right now. And apparently Billy Epler is very willing to put him as a left-handed reliever in this bullpen right now. Like he's kind of trying out a little bit, but he's a funky little lefty that could be kind of fun to have in this bullpen. Oh, that, yeah, that's great. I'm down for that. I mean, I mentioned this before, but you want your bullpen to have a few different like arm angles. You know, switch switch hitters up, keep them on their toes, and. This is basically the loop, uh, loop 2.0 sounds like what they're going to try to do with Alex Claudio. And even though there are a few lefties out there, but I don't, I would caution any Mets fans from thinking the Mets are going to give a legitimate deal to Chafin. Yeah, I, I don't think they should. It really uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, feel... I don't want to. It doesn't make sense. Especially because like, <sighs> if they were going to give that out, why wouldn't you have just given it to Loop logically? Yeah, uh, seriously though, like why wouldn't you have? No, no, that's what I mean. That's why I don't think they're going to. I'm happy though because I think Chafin is just ready to not be good soon. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a little closer than a lot of people think but you know whatever Colin McHugh would also be another arm I'd like to see them pick up I think he'd be a really good addition as well yeah I would too I could, that kind of takes me to where I wanted to take this next into where the Mets need to sign their next pitcher and I feel like there just has to be another guy who can give the Mets between like 80 and 100 innings to get added into here you were talking about the swing man a lot I saw Dude, on, yeah uh, on tweet about the swing man I've talked to you about the swing man a lot off air I really think the Mets could benefit from a swing man a guy like I'm talking about who can seamlessly move between rotation and bullpen and you will not have to worry about it. And there's a couple of very exciting names out there who can do this. Names that we've mentioned here before. Give me some. All right, we got Danny Duffy, Colin McHugh we just said, Matthew Boyd I think would be very good in this role, Gar- Garrett Richards. I I know you hate him, but it's I do think— I guess the, the sticky stuff did kind of kill him, so I'm going to take him off my list. Jacob Junis has done interesting things like with this with the Royals over the last few years. Vince Velasquez is a guy who— uh, He has... got signed today. Oh, who signed him? White Sox. White Sox are picking off a lot of these good pitchers. That's kind of a good move. Even though they're a team that's definitely not going to unlock him. No, but of it's course just, not. It's just good depth for them. Well, Chad Cool from the Pirates over the last few years has been relatively interesting. He throws kind of hard with a good off-speed pitch. Like that's That will get you through two times through the order and good enough. But the guy, Danny Duffy, man, or Colin McHugh, those are the two I would love for the Mets to jump on. Last year when Danny Duffy was healthy, all three of his non-fastballs were thrown at least 10% of the time and had a whiff rate of over 30%. Okay, Danny Duffy. Change-up, curveball, slider, all of them. He had a great first half. That's why the Dodgers went after him, but of course he didn't end up pitching because he was hurt. But yeah. Danny Duffy, I, listen, you could, you could sway me. You could sway me on Danny Duffy. We have the rotation now, so now everything else is depth where I don't have to rely on Danny Duffy. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I also want to caution Mets fans for thinking that this is like killing Tyler McGill. I think Tyler McGill as a six starter is exactly where everybody wants him to be, himself included. Like people were in my mentions arguing about Tyler versus Taiwan Walker. Don't even don't even worry about it. Someone's going to get injured. Tyler McGill is going to pitch 100 to 150 innings this year, unless he is the one who gets injured. He's going to be very useful. He's going to be very helpful. He's going to take a step forward. He's going to be fucking awesome. Love Tyler. I think especially early in the season, he's going to get a lot of innings as well, just because these guys while they do have the three weeks or four weeks before the season starts, it's not the full spring training that these guys are used to, especially the pitching side. Yeah, it's almost like no Mets pitcher should be throwing more than five innings the entire month of April. 
Yeah, and, which, and, and Tyler McGill is going to be the guy who cleans up most of that mess. Pitches like six, seven. <laughs> yeah, he'll come and pitch a six and the seventh on Monday and Friday, and then he'll bridge you to the bullpen. He'll be really effective like that. We saw him first time through the order last year. He was great. So yeah, especially I mean, because Tyler McGill, we are hoping him he takes a jump, but as of right now, his changeup is still lags behind his slider, especially his fastball. So he really is mostly a two pitch guy, and he does love that fastball. Now we're getting starting to get back into game mode, starting to think about these guys as they were, as they are. That's fine. Also, a guy like McGill, instead of throwing five innings, he's only throwing two or three. He can really reach back in that fastball, get an extra tick of velocity. He relies on it for whiffs anyway. It'll be much easier to get whiffs when it's coming in harder. Also, Mets fans can't forget Drew Flo. Drew Flo could be that spot as well. Yes, Drew Flo can definitely be a multi-inning guy. He's four pitches to work with. Fuck, love Drew Smith. Don't forget, I almost forgot he existed. I know. It's it's kind of hard, although I think he did shave the flow. I think he's back to a buzz cut. Yeah, so. now he's just Drew. Rip Drew Flo. Call him Drew. Ugh, Drew. Just Drew. Drew Buzz. <laughs> Drew Buzz, that's bad. That's not as good as Drew Flow. <laughs> no, Drew Flow worked. What other Mets stuff we got to talk about here today? Well, we got to talk about next moves too. We just talked about pitching, and today in the press conference, Billy Epler and Buck Showalter, someone asked specifically about Michael Conforto, and I think we know that Michael Conforto is definitely not going to be on this team. But they also, in answering the question, said it's unlikely the Mets bring in another position player and that they expect Robinson Cano to be an impact bat. In not so many words. That's, that's, that's a little tough for me to buy. I, I don't know how much I can buy Robinson Cano being an impact back considering what he like didn't hit anything more than singles in the Winter League. But I really want Schwarber, man. I really do. The more and more I keep thinking about it, I know we have that player. It exists already. We have a lot of these first base DH kind of position players. But, man, his back could change this lineup so bad. That's the guy I want the most right now. I got to say one thing. Trevor May three minutes ago just tweeted there's so many awesome parts of life he said of the life that's a typo for my friend trevor but there's one thing you never get used to saying goodbye to friends what the fuck you think someone got traded oh my god i don't know you just tweeted that i I hope i hope everything's okay that's a very ominous tweet but it actually works pretty well because that was going to bring me into the next topic i wanted to talk about and that was if the mets were going to make another trade because we've heard that they've been talking about trading a position player and now that they've just sent some prospects out it would make a little bit of sense to bring some prospects in. And I'm wondering about where that would leave them and the rest of this roster and how possible you think that could be. I know I know this is the McNeil conversation, but I don't want to have it because he's it could the be one the who brings, conversation. Well, McNeil's the one who brings the most back without a you doubt. You don't have a second baseman now without McNeil, and there's not really Correct. any other option. So that's why that's, I don't think that it's a McNeil conversation. I think it's a McNeil conversation if we sign Chris Bryant. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but so then let's talk about Dom Smith because I think he's the guy that is is on the chopping block right now in terms of all the Mets. I think he is not necessarily the most tradable. I think JD probably is of him and Dom. But Dom doesn't really have a spot right now. Like especially if Cano is going to DH. Yeah. Where does Dom fit into this lineup besides off days for Pete? To which, why are you really holding him around if you can get something to make your team better? Mm-hmm. What do you really get back for Dom? That's the other question. Probably like just a random reliever arm that hopefully has some good guts, which yeah. stinks because at one point, Dom, we thought, could be one of the better first basemen in the league. But I don't know, man. It's tough to trade a player at what is probably his lowest value. And that's kind of what Dom Smith is right now. Yeah, definitely. But I don't even know how high Dom Smith's highest value ever was because it doesn't seem like people really trade for middling first baseman ever. Even Matt Olsen, who's one of like the 25 best hitters in baseball, it seems like his market is still struggling to get off the ground as of right now. I almost think, and we've, we've said this a lot, so you guys probably think we're being a little redundant at this point, but you're, there's almost addition by subtraction with getting rid of Dom Smith. As much as that sucks, as good as we've seen him play, as much fun as he is in this locker room, how well-respected he very clearly is by his teammates, there's just so many 
things that become available to the Mets if Dom Smith is not here anymore. Yeah, he just he takes up a spot that can unfortunately be filled by almost anybody. And then we can actually have someone who we need a net, like we need a backup shortstop still. We love Lou Giorme. He's our king. Yeah. But we need we need a backup shortstop because he's he's not the guy. He's the second base, third base, scrappy guy, pinch hitter off the bench. We need a we need a Jonathan VR. We do. We just need a backup infielder who can do more things. Backup infielder who can hit better than Giorme again and play shortstop. It's just and you only have so many bench spots in this team. Teams will, this team will be carrying twelve or thirteen pitchers almost every day this year. The bench will be less of a concern with the DH, but it's just very important to have Major League depth in case something goes wrong. Yes, which we know as Mets fans is always a possibility. Also, I think it's worth noting, too, that the Mets added that Antonio Santos reliever as well, who might have a shot at making it in the camp as a as a last relief arm, too. So we've seen the Mets kind of been looking to the relief market being a little more, uh, I don't want to say optimistic, but a little more aggressive in guys that they could be going after. Yeah, and they're going after guys who we kind of predict this, guys who are more off of the radar in terms of a relief market. They're getting these couple million dollar guys rather than shelling out for someone with more guaranteed money possibly more years they're not committing much to any of these relievers which is exactly where you want to sit in terms of the relief market and the santos he, th- he sits 96 so like i'll sign any reliever who sits 96 whatever there we got clarification by trevor may by the way what is that saying goodbye to your friends that live three thousand miles away for you from for seven months of the year seems fairly straightforward to me so god damn it trevor don't scare us like that man that's an ominous tweet that is an ominous tweet. That guy said that, though. Yeah, no. Was, I think he realized. Maybe when he read it, he was like, I, I have to read this again. Well, I think he got a lot of replies. I'm like, what happened? Who'd you trade? Where's Jeff? Yeah. Like, please don't tweet that out when baseball just starts. That's terrifying. No. And we're not going to address the Brett Hand rumors, right? Oh, God. God. I, w- I would rather have... I would rather lose my hand than get Brad Hand. <laughs> Can we get that in writing? No. I don't know if you're going to hold me <laughs> to that. But <laughs> for content, I'll say it. <laughs> Oh man! But I just—he, uh, I don't care how well he pitched. Uh, I just no, can't. the people who think he pitched well just simply didn't watch. His stuff is bad. Every time he got people out, it seems to be almost an accident. Yeah, I don't know if he's actually like ever going to pitch decent again. There's no way. And even if he does, I would be much more happy if it wasn't on this team. Yeah, I, let Brad Hand go and try to be good with someone else. I don't want it to be with the Mets. I can't watch him. I won't do it. I'm gonna boo him. I, I don't want to see Brad Hand on the mound. I don't care. He's ass. He's terrible. I'll give a hand for a hand. It's going to be an interesting week for the Mets. There's a lot of ways they can go. And I don't really believe Billy Epler when he says I'd be fairly surprised if we went after another bat at this juncture. I don't believe it either. Seem feels right for another bat. And the only one that makes sense really is Carl Schwarber. Carl Schwarber would be so sick in this lineup, man. Put him at DH. Oh, that lineup. We When you put Kyle Schwarber at DH, you legitimately go, where do we hit everybody? Yeah. And like, like where, like in the order, you mean, right? Yeah, like what, like what is the order? Because we have a lot of really good hitters. It'd be fucking awesome to have that many. Like, really let's good just hitters. let's just theorycraft, right? Kyle Schwarber's in the lineup. You have Nimmo and Marte who have to hit top of the order, right? Like, where else can you I, put I these guys? I think there'd be a world where if you get Schwarber, one of them won't. Like, I think you basically have to pick one of those guys to move down because you probably it'll probably be Nimmo because I don't think they're going to start the lineup with two lefties unless you go, wow, <sighs> Nimmo. Lindor, Schwarber, Pete, Pete, Marte. Yeah. And then Canna. Yeah. And then and then Escobar. You basically have a, a second top of the order in Marte, Canna, Escobar, McNeil. Yeah, which is, that's crazy. That'd be such a good lineup. Oh my that's God. That's crazy. Think about how deep that, we just named what, eight guys that are all legitimately good hitters and then McCann hits ninth, so who the fuck cares? The best will be able to start every single game with four hitters who are going to have like a 360 on base percentage. 
That's crazy. That's Holy that's runs. Shit. Like they need Schwarber is a game changer for this lineup. Game changer. You want to talk about because we talked about this too. Some power rankings have started to come out, and I know you felt like the Mets at five was a little bit high. That was before Bassett. That was before Bassett. To be fair, that is true. But you want to talk about the Mets really, really, really being dangerous? That Kyle Schwarber bat, man, that moves that that makes the Mets a legit World Series contender with that lineup on paper, of course. Yeah, definitely. And I think the way Steve was talking today in that same press conference, it seems like he's ready to to not really care about that tax because uh, he said it was like an honor to have the Steve Cohen tax named after him. He said we really shouldn't have that much of a problem with going past it. And he said he thinks having a tax named after him was better than having a bridge named after him or something like that. <laughs> I love Steve Cohen. I love Steve Cohen too. Did you see when he tweeted yesterday after the Bass thing happened? He's like, oh, what's going on, guys? <laughs> I'm happy he's tweeting again. It's kind of It was kind of good that the owners were able to rein him in and not have him tweet during the, uh, during the lockout. Yeah, but this is a good spot where we need right now. Good spot, good problems, good issues to be having here with the Mets because these aren't actually issues. These are all things that we would love to keep adding on to this team. We're in a really good place. Chris Bassett was a huge addition. Adam Adovino is a sneaky addition, mm-hmm. and hopefully we add a little bit more here. Uh, I don't I don't think we have anything else really to talk about, right, with the Mets? Hit every single thing on my list. Pretty quick and easy. Episode number 78 of the Mets Up Podcast. As always, guys, thank you for listening and watching however you do it. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Mets Up. Uh, if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find us, you'll be able to listen. And make sure you drop us a rating and a review as well. It really does help us out. Also, we just learned about Apple Podcasts uh, analytics. We haven't been tracking that. So we had we we had doubled, more than double listeners that we ever knew we had for this entire last year. So we're going to have to ask everyone to subscribe, download the episodes, and then unsubscribe and resubscribe again. If you listen, if you're if you're Apple listeners, yes, definitely, uh, definitely give us some love there. And make sure you follow James on Twitter at Jeter Had No Range, me at Giraffe Neck Mark. That's where we wrap it up, guys. We're going to be on the weekly schedule still for now, but if anything new happens, we will drop episodes. So if we get any new names, I love how you're saying that. And we just did two episodes in three days. Listen, I just I'm letting <laughs> the people know we're still on the weekly schedule, but if something comes up, we will interject in the week. Yeah, both the boys are traveling this week, but we're still going to do everything we can. If if news if real news drops we'll be back here but if not expect something maybe later ish in the week or possibly next monday but we'll we'll, we're easy to reach tweet us yeah we'll be around we'll be talking mets if there's anything to talk about guys so thanks for listening again we'll catch you on the next episode of the mets up podcast peace out peace out guys see you next time